Hello and welcome to episode 102 of the Arena Regulars podcast. I'm Zach. And I'm Jeff. And we're your source for drunken Magic the Gathering Arena content. That's right. Basically just a couple of regular dudes drinking some irregular beers and talking about Magic the Gathering, in particular the online client MTG Arena. And today is one of our favorite episodes. It is a pre-game for Phyrexia All Will Be One. I feel like we just love all of our episodes, because yeah. we always say it's, it's one of our favorites. <laughs> it's true, it's true. We love all our episodes. Um, so this week we're going to talk a bit about our, um, it's our acquisition period, so it's the beginning of a new set, so we want to collect all the cards that we want, so we can talk about our no-pass lists. Uh, but first, each week we both bring a beer, we drink Jeff's, then drink mine, rate them on a scale of bronze mythic, and choose the best for last. So with that, Jeff, what's on tap? All right, this week I have brought for you... Hazed and Confused by Muskoka Brewery. It is a juicy IPA, 6.5%, and it has... The person who I'm assuming is Mad Tom uh, on the can, and his head is exploding. So for those who don't know, Mad Tom is a beer out here from Muskoka. It's one of my favorites. I quote-unquote grew up on it. Um, not as a child, of course, but like <laughs> my first foray into craft beer was basically that. And so I have a soft spot for it. And Mad Tom is a West Coast IPA. And so this presumably is like their East Coast version. This is mm-hmm. a, since it says Juicy IPA, I guess it's a New England style um, by the same makers as Mad Tom. And I'm pretty sure it features Mad Tom himself on the can. So I was excited to try their East version of the West uh, classic. Yeah, I guess that does make a lot of sense. I wasn't really um, thinking that that was Mad Tom, but that's for sure who that is. <laughs> Has to be, right? I love the visual of you like as a baby with Mad Tom in your baby <laughs> bottle, <laughs> drinking it. <laughs> it's perfect. <laughs> anyway, we have some magic news. Phyrexia All Will Be One releases next week on Arena, Tuesday, February 7th. And uh, wow. leading up to that, they have... Um, their normal pre-orders, except for they're a little different this time. The pre-order bundles have changed. So normally we had two, where one was like open 50 packs, and then one is like get a bunch of limited tokens. Now there's a third one where they moved the the mastery pass that was part of the like play one without limited tokens to its own pass. So basically they have three tiers of how expensive they are. It used to be like $50 or $50, and now... The 50 packs is $50, and then if you want the limited tokens, it's 25 and then if you want the Mastery Pass, it's 15 or so. I think there's some tags in there, but anyway, uh, I it's just new, and I wanted to get your take on it, Jeff. Like, is this uh, it's kind of like a useless change, or does it seem like possibly better? More options is always better, and different entry points for players who want this. I never buy these, so it doesn't uh, inspire me that much like I still probably think it's not worth it for me to get the mastery pass and yeah I prefer to collect just by drafting so mm-hmm. it's not going to make that big a difference for me I don't think but it, this might move the needle for other people you know because $50 is a lot for yeah and that being the only option I'm sure there are people who you know wanted to be a part of the pre-release action but couldn't justify spending $50 on it and I, I kind of feel that way. And the one I always wanted, or if in the past, I have bought them a few times, but um, I couldn't do it for every set because it just felt like $50 every set just felt like a lot on top of whatever yeah. gems I wanted to get. But the um, the play bundle, which is like draft tokens and seal tokens, 
though that is the one I wanted and now it's cheaper and I, it doesn't have the mastery pass, but that was usually kind of just extra to me. Um, this seems great. Uh, and they're yeah, also, that one would be the one I would consider personally. Yeah. And now they've added where you also get five play in points, which is kind of interesting. So hmm. like, this is the first time you can just, I don't know, straight up buy play in points. Um, five per set, which isn't very much, but um, kind of interesting. Nice to to get new people kind of excited. Like, hey, you have some play in points. Play in these events and get more, and then do the qualifiers. I like it. Yep, seems good. Um, there are also some uh, interesting like events going on in February. They're doing like a Phyrexia festival. They do this every so often with different um, sets where they kind of have. It happens with every set, but they don't always call it a festival. And this one specifically is giving card styles for playing on different uh, spheres of Phyrexia. Um, if you want to know more about spheres, tune in to next week's episode. Uh, you'll learn a lot more about the spheres of Phyrexia then. But um, yeah, it seems kind of cool. Uh, it, they are the build your own deck kind of things, but... I do enjoy it when they have things like this where they kind of try to add a bit more story to to arena. Yeah, I tend to play in these things if it lines up. Like, if I happen to be hopping on arena and I see that it's active and then there's a card style I want, well, sure, yeah, why not? Yeah, and these ones look pretty sick as well. They're like the, mm -hmm. the different colored backing with like really sharp black lines that look like they're kind of exploding. I don't know, they're really cool. Uh, so yeah. check those out. Um, last thing for uh, Magic News is there is... We don't talk about all the midweek magics, but there is one that is really important that's coming up. And so it's February 14th to the 16th. They are doing a Phantom Sealed, which is all will be one. Um, so it's always great when midweek magic, because midweek magic is always free. And when they do sealed events like this, it's, you don't get to keep the cards, but you do get to just practice playing, which is really great especially because the qualifier weekend and all the plans for the qualifier in February are Phantom Sealed, all Phyrexia, all will be one. And then the arena open in March, I think it's the fourth and the fifth, is also sealed and draft, all will be one, um, which also then leads into the arena championship later, which I'm not qualified for, you know, pro players are qualified for, but it's also um, draft, all will be one. So... I really like that they're having, they're, they, they're planning it really well. Where it's like, hey, you get a midweek magic where you get to play for free and practice and see if you like it. Yeah, I love it when they do this, when they mm -hmm. give you like a free way to play the, the format that the big tournaments are, that the big upcoming tournaments are. Um, it, we've talked about it before. It feels like they do this somewhat randomly and mm -hmm. it just happens to line up. I wish they were a little more active, uh, like, literally every arena open should have something like this where you get to practice the format for free. Um, but anytime it pops up, that's awesome. So yeah. yeah, I would, if you have the time and are planning on playing in the arena open, you should do this. Yeah. This one too. Jeff, let's get into the main topic of the evening, which is basically talking about new Phyrexia, all the sweet cards and all the sweet cards that we want and are mm -hmm. no pass. <laughs> 
list. There are so many, man. There, there are, are so many. There are a lot. I had to like kind of pare it down a bit. My list isn't as, as big as it normally is because I feel like in the past maybe mine were too large. Um, but before we get right into it, Jeff, do you want to explain the no pass list and our our kind of philosophy behind a new set and what it comes out? Yeah, so I alluded to this earlier that I said that I like prefer to build my collection through drafting. Um, sometimes it is nice to get the 50-pack head start or whatever, but generally most of my collection building is done through drafting. And uh, here on the Arena Regulars, we are firm believers in uh, rare drafting. Mm -hmm. So what that means is if there's a rare in your pack, even if it's not going to be good in your draft deck, if, we, if you know that it's a card that you want to play in some constructed format or you want in your collection, you should still take that rare. That's our philosophy. Um, it's worth more than the relative increase you'll get from bumping up you know, your 23rd best card to your 22nd best card, whatever, like you, all your draft picks slide down one. Um, that's unlikely to change the course of the draft in a meaningful way, whereas... Getting like you get a free wild card by taking the, the rare, mm -hmm. and so what we advise is that you you predetermine beforehand what are the rares that if I see them I will just take them, because if you if you don't do this when it happens you're just in the middle of a draft and you're like oh no I see this murder which is really great for my black tech, um, but then there's Nahiri the Unforgiving in this pack, do I want Nahiri I don't know, um, but if you just have a list that says yep I always take Nahiri then you don't have to think about it and you don't have to panic and maybe make the wrong decision. You just take the Nahiri. You don't feel bad about not taking the murder because you, you, hey, my hands were tied. I have this list and I had to. Um, mm. So we like to start the format by making these lists. Call it the no pass list because it's cards we're not going to pass. Yes. And um, a lot of people like to have these up in their mind. Um, if you talk to a lot of people, for the most part, they kind of have an idea. But if you actually sit mm -hmm. down and write it out, and recently I've been trying to write out it, like the amount of copies that I want of each card um, so that I don't have to, again, think about it in the draft. The less I have to think about in the draft, the better, because I already have trouble <laughs> picking cards. Oh, yeah. so Especially in a new set, right? Mm -hmm. Like you're reading everything. <laughs> Just being like, sick, this card I really want, I'm going to take that. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't even look at the rest of the pack most of the time because it can make me start to second guess myself. Sometimes I just pick it and go. And it's like, oh, no, I saw it. It's, it's done. It's done. See, I usually use that time to like just read the cards to build that familiarity. I'm like, ooh, See, I get a free like minute here where yeah. I take the rare for sure. And then I get to read what this common does because I've seen it a bunch of times, but I, I never had time to read it. That is smart. I maybe should do that, but I, I know myself I probably won't. Um, but anyway, Jeff, do we want to just jump right into our no-pass list and what cards we're, we're looking forward to uh, for the set? Because I'm sure they're just going to keep talking about that. They're going to keep coming up if we don't talk about it right now, so we might as well. Yeah, let's just get to it. Um, so these, these always start off. I have like a formula that I go down. Um, and the first thing that I look at is, are the rare lands good, basically? Mm -hmm. um, if the answer is yes, then the rare lands are all on my no-pass list. I want four of each, if possible. Um, so that is true here. I want Black Cleave Cliffs, Copperline Gorge, Dark Slick Shores, uh, and Razor Verge Thicket. So when I say rare lands, I guess I mean rare dual lands mm -hmm. or tri-lands, whatever this the set maybe there are some other rare lands in this set but 
are also some of them are pretty good. But I'm particularly talking about the dual lands. We these are also something that um, we think you should you should do this. Uh, yeah. When we say it's the number one thing we think about is because like when you look at decks online, um, and it's so easy to just copy decks into Arena, you should. It, it feels so much better when you already have the entire mana base in your collection. And so you don't ever have to be like, oh, well, maybe I can't play this deck because I don't, I don't want to craft all the lands. You just take them and draft always, even if they don't, aren't your colors or whatever. Obviously that's what the whole list yeah. is about, but yeah, I always take these and then I'm like always hitting alt uh, mm -hmm. on a PC. I guess it's alt uh, to check how many I have mm -hmm. and I'll only consider, uh, like I won't take them if I already have four and it's bad in my deck because that's just like 20 gems or whatever. Um, but as, as long as I have less than four, just definitely taking these. And other people don't do this. So you can actually, in your first few drafts, you can get like four or five of these mm -hmm. um, because other people are passing them. Yeah, and very, like, maybe the first day they won't, but soon after that, people will pass them, like, often. Uh, when you're playing player yeah. drafts, like, they pass these a lot. So you can just rake it in. Like, and it feels yeah. good when you leave a draft and you're like, I got three or four of the dual lands. Uh, I won. Like, I don't even have to play. I just feel like I won. It just, it's oh, yeah, so exactly. nice. You could go like two, three after that and still feel pretty good. Cause you set yourself up so well, uh, to build anything in the format later on. Yeah. And also Jeff was saying, uh, alt on PC, uh, it's option on Mac. Uh, that just tells you, arena will tell you how many you have of four. In your collection for any pack you're looking at uh, just if you didn't know uh, it's really nifty tool yeah i always use i use it all the time even for like last pick commons and stuff just mm -hmm. like which one do i not have four of yet to try to collect the whole set so i just start automatically filling my treasure chest yeah okay so that gets that out of the way i'm sure they're on zach's list too mm -hmm. um the other one that i always check is the planeswalkers are the Planeswalkers in the set good? Am I interested in them? Um, this is just kind of because it's like an easy thing to do. Planeswalkers are generally pretty powerful cards, always mythics, and, um, you know, if there are any that you actually really want, um, just better to, like, iron that out ahead of time. Mm -hmm. Now, this set in particular, it's harder to do that because there are more Planeswalkers than usual. Yes. Uh, so I don't actually think I want all of them. Normally I'm just like, yeah, sure, throw all three Planeswalkers on the no-pass list. Um, but this time I have to be a little more selective. Like, I'll probably take them all, to be honest. But in terms of what's making the list and I definitely want, I don't think I want to put all of them on there. The first one for me is Tyvar. I love this card. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, this is like... Tyvar Jubilant Brawler is one black-green for a legendary Planeswalker uh, with three loyalty. You may activate abilities of creatures you control as though those creatures had haste. Love it. That's amazing. Plus one, untap up to one target creature. Okay, pretty interesting with the, the previous text. And then minus two is mill three cards. Then you may return a creature card with mana value two or less from your graveyard to the battlefield. So um, all in all, I think that's a lot of cool little things for a three mana planeswalker. This is just like a, a perfect card for me. This is like the janky black green self mill <laughs> graveyard mid range shenanigans where it like takes seven moving pieces to get together and is only medium powerful. That's my kind of deck. So uh, Tyvar fits right into that. 
Um, and we've talked about some cards in the past that uh, we were alluding to getting better with Tyvar. Um, so I'm pretty excited for this card and absolutely would be taking it over anything. Yeah. Um, one thing with the Planeswalkers, because I, I feel very similarly about how I, uh, there's 10 of them, and usually we have three, so it's quite different. But um, the completed Planeswalkers are all mythic, and the non-completed Planeswalkers are all rare. Um, right. So that does change things a little bit where I'm looking a little bit harder at some of the mythic ones, being like, okay, it might be harder to pick these up, so maybe those are the ones I'm focused on. But I knew you were going to pick this. I didn't actually put Tyvar on my list, but often when we have these episodes, uh, I try to pick, I try to look at Jeff's list and be like, okay, what cards is he going to build a janky deck out of that I want to try whenever he figures it out? And so I should be prepared to have the cards ready for it. And uh, this is right. probably one of the cards that I'm like, well, if I see one, it's not technically on my list, but I probably can't stop myself from taking it because I know this deck list is coming my way and I want to be prepared yeah. for when I get to try it. <laughs> there will be at least one deck list with 4X Tybar in it that I'll oh. send to you at some point. Hell yeah. <laughs> All right. I'm excited for it. <laughs> so... As I was talking about Planeswalkers before with, like, I was focused more on the completed ones. Um, the Planeswalker I want the most, uh, I really only just put one on my list. Though, like you said, I would probably just take most of them if they were around. Uh, besides uh, Koth, I, I don't really think I care about that card. Um, but uh, I think I would pick up Jace the Perfected Mind who is a two blue Phyrexian blue for a five mana Jace Planeswalker with the completed ability. Uh, it has a plus one until your next turn up to one target creature gets minus three, minus zero, minus two target player mills three cards. Then if a graveyard has 20 or more cards in it, you draw three cards. Otherwise you draw one card. And then it also has a minus X target player mills three times X cards. So uh, as We've seen in the past the a completed ability is like if you use the Phyrexian mana, if you pay the two life instead of using the blue mana, um, it comes into the battlefield with two less loyalty counters. So either this costs uh, four and it's a five loyalty planeswalker or it costs three and two life and it's a three loyalty planeswalker. Um, the reason I want this card, and I really just, I think I only want one. I don't really know if the when the second or third one come around, if I really need it. But I want to try out one copy in our rogues deck in Explorer because I was interested in seeing if having a way, something that happens in the deck is like uh, sometimes your opponent will exile their graveyard and all your creatures like turn off or like you just need a way to like turbocharge into making all your one ones into three twos and just like be able to just destroy them really quickly and this card coming down like for three mana or four mana and milling like at at the very least if i'm just trying to fill the graveyard with cards i it costs three and two life and then i mill nine cards into their graveyard which is enough to turn on all of our cards so mm -hmm. three mana to turn on our whole deck feels pretty good i had sorcery speed but um if i have the extra mana to be able to keep it around um I don't know. Also, like, milling three cards and making them mill three cards and then drawing a card or th or just Ancestral Recalling sounds really nice. Um, that probably means we're winning the game, but I don't know. I like... Yeah. 
I, I, I'm interested in seeing if I can have one of these slide in and um, see, see what happens. Maybe it's terrible, but if I pick it up in a draft, I'm not gonna feel bad, so that is definitely on my list. Yeah, on my list as well, 100%. Mm -hmm. Really like this Jace design. I'm also like now thinking about a whole Sultai self-mill thing and standard. I know Sultai's not really a allowable color combination. With our lands, but, yeah. Um, maybe with uh, some of the mana helping and the milling, you can actually get there. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, definitely a cool card. I want them as well. And the last of the Planeswalkers, I can't believe you poo-pooed, um, <laughs> but I ain't going to put them on my list. Uh, is cough. I love uh, it. I love it so much. That's so good. I I have a soft spot for big red decks. I wish, and I want to play like cough Jaya, mid-range mono red, mm -hmm. and see if there's something there. Um, I wish cough and Jaya didn't have the same mana value. Yeah. Because for some, even if it, like it sounds weird, if Jaya just costs five, I would feel more comfortable putting like, even though it's the same card. But just looking at my curve being like three or four costs into two or three Jaya's just feels better mm -hmm. than when they're all fours, even though obviously that's strictly worse to have the Jaya cost more. It still like looks better. I don't know. It looks more like a curve. So mm -hmm. I wish Jaya was a little more powerful and was five or Koth was. But hey, I'm going to try some sort of big red strategy. Yeah. Uh, if that's even going to be semi competitive costs gonna have to play a role have you thought at all to just play chandra dress to kill in that because it's three into four i know it's not like big red style um i could i could get behind that yeah i think i might be a little bit on board chandra into koth yeah chandra into koth um seems kind of good but anyway, no, I didn't. I didn't really mean to poo poo on cough, but like it just seemed yeah, rude. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I just like I was specifically looking at all the completed ones, and you picked two of the uncompleted planeswalkers. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I'm more interested in the uncompleted ones. The completed ones, I think, are pretty good. Yeah. But I'm just my style tends to lean more towards the uncompleted ones. For sure. Um, but like we were saying, I'd probably. Unless I thought the draft was going like super poorly or something, I don't know. I would I would probably just take any planeswalker realistically. Probably, I mean, realistically, yeah. I don't want to talk about all of them. Uh, the other one I was exactly like <laughs> I didn't put Nahiri on my list, but that's when I was really close to being like, oh, mm -hmm. I want this deck. Uh, I looked through some cards and realized maybe it's not a deck that's going to be put together just yet. So I don't care that much. But yeah, uh, Nahiri does look sweet. And, and similarly, like I think Nissa is very good. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if it's a card I'm super pumped about or, or whatever, yeah, per personally, you know. It, I'm not super pumped about it, but I'm going to lose to it, I'm sure. So mm -hmm. you're ready for that one. Um, though, speaking about green decks, so um, I do this every time we have a uh, <laughs> one of our pregame episodes. I talk about how much I'm so excited about this specific deck that I all I want to do is play this deck in standard, and then I end up never playing it and getting all the excitement out <laughs> in the episode and just never it never happening but yeah. I, I still have to do it so i still have to talk about the deck i really want to play in standard that i'm never going to play that's a really toxic habit man. <laughs> that's good that's good so um of course he's alluding to i want to play a toxic deck really bad and all of the cards that i put on my no pass list are just for that deck and that's all that it is <laughs> so i'm going to spend the rest of the episode just talking about toxic cards just get ready 
Um, Though this first card, to be fair, is part of two decks I want to build. Um, So it is Venerated Rot Priest, which every time I say that, I want to say Loxodon, but that's a different card. So Venerated Rot Priest is a single green for a 1-2 Phyrexian Druid, and it has Toxic 1, which is, of course, our poison mechanic for the set. Um, I think it's fixed infect. I think it's better. And the play pattern is mm-hmm. going to be, I think, better. Um, probably not as strong, but like just just a better... I just think it's better altogether. Um, yeah, I agree. And uh, anyway, so cool. <laughs> a one mana, one two toxic, sure. But it has an ability that says, <clears throat> whenever a creature you control becomes the target of a spell, target opponent gets a poison counter. So if anyone targets any of your creatures, your opponent gets a poison counter. So that includes yourself. So obviously it's nice because it's like a pseudo, like you play your creatures and then they try to kill it and you give them poison counters. But what I really want to do is use it with my favorite lady, Ivy, and do this Simic like (laughs) Enchantress deck where like, you have him on turn one, and I can play Ivy or like my Storm Chaser Drake on turn two, and then all the other spells I start playing on my creatures are going to give my opponent poison counters. And when one of my favorite like interactions in Magic, and I know Jeff knows this, and he thinks it's dumb and hates it, but is where <laughs> it's the classic <laughs> argument we have. It's not really an argument. It's I basically lose where. I want my opponent to try to bolt my creature and I giant growth it. That's what I want to do for the most part in most games. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but really in reality, it's more like they try to like, you know, doom blade it and I'm going to give it hex proof or indestructible. That's really what happens. Mm-hmm. And so what happens in that scenario is that they get two poison counters. <laughs> so not only do I get to do the thing I want to do, which is protect my creature. I also kill them in the process, which is awesome. And I'm so excited, especially because there is a new protection spell in the set that looks very good, and I'm going to put it right into this deck. It's going to be so nice. Um, it actually makes me feel like my Ivy de- deck might have some legs. Uh, and so we'll see if this yeah. green-blue deck can have the same feel. It won't be rogues in the slightest, but it has a couple extra like like counter spell and draw spells with a weird sub-poison sub-theme with the possibility of... like. Am I going to kill you with poison or with damage? Do you know which one is more important? Um, we'll find mm-hmm. out. So yeah, and I th- think that's where it, like what you were saying about toxic being fixed infect comes into play because like infect creatures are busted with pump mm-hmm. spells, but toxic creatures are not. They do more damage, but they don't give you more mm-hmm. poison. So it really does start to turn into that two-sided race of like which ones matters more the poison or Mm -hmm. the damage and i'm really curious to see how that plays out so anyway venerated uh rot priest um everyone knows about this card and everyone's super stoked on it i am also one of those people so i think the first deck (laughs) will be the straight toxic deck and the second one will be my enchantress toxic deck so we'll see how it goes if i build either who knows sounds awful (laughs) um okay (laughs) Uh, one card I'm super excited about because this this card when I read it I was like wait what does it does that say what I think it says and the answer was yes is capricious hellraiser 
So this one kind of caught me by surprise because it just seemed amazing to me. Mm. And so I'll read it for you. It's three red, red, red for a four, four Phyrexian dragon. It costs three less to cast if you have nine or more cards in your graveyard. It has flying. And when it enters the battlefield, exile three cards at random from your graveyard. Choose a non-creature, non-land from among them and copy it. You may cast the copy without paying its mana cost. So, okay, there's some deck building costs here, right? Like, you need some number. Presumably this wants to be some kind of finisher in, like, a spells mm-hmm. deck. Um, but honestly, you don't need that. If it's a three-mana 4-4 four, four flyer that will sometimes get you a free spell, like, that's pretty good. So, in any sort of self-mill strategy, which, of course, I've already had my eye on, this is huge. And I would, you know, mention that it's... It's non-creature, so um, you can cast Planeswalkers off this and or enchantments and stuff. So if you have... It doesn't have to be, like, blue-red spells. It's just probably your generic mid-range deck would be okay with this, where it would hit a reasonable amount of the time because those decks are sort of like the one-third creature, one-third land, one-third mm-hmm. other stuff kind of build. This exiles three, so reasonable shot at exiling something that you can cast. Um, I think this card's pretty cool. I think it's really powerful. I don't know if it's actually going to be a player in the format, but I'm excited to try it. And being that it's a mythic rare, I'll have to like make sure I'm yeah, taking it. Absolutely. Reading this card, because like, of course, my mind immediately goes to is it spells, and then it shuts down, and I uh, yeah, and then it's like, oh, and then I, I move to this. a new card. <laughs> but going in your big red deck, that's you know, four of two planeswalkers. And then maybe a lot of the other cards mm-hmm. are just like artifacts that, cause like you can cast artifacts off of this. You just have to figure out how to like True. mill your, like mill yourself. So maybe are you playing right. like a Rakdos build that can mill yourself and just play artifacts and your planeswalkers make creatures and uh, you get to play your favorite card. I don't know. Yeah. Jund could be mm. on the table. Um, the other thing is, like, in, in a big red deck, if you're generating a healthy amount of mana, like, a 4-4 four, four that casts a free spell for 6 is still pretty good. You don't have to, to cast it for 3 mm-hmm. to get that second ability. That's true. So, yeah, I think this is just a pretty solid card in the right deck, and it's definitely super powerful, and whether or not it ends up seeing plays obviously contingent on a lot of yeah. other stuff. I mean, it isn't black, so I don't know how... Uh playable it is in yeah. standard right now but and, and the grixis decks don't want it the current yeah. iterations of grixis so probably probably not but you know it does seem super cool though um so i like the points mm-hmm. for splashiness well it's actually pretty hard to splash <laughs> <if it's> <laughs> <red>. <laughs> i get it uh, <laughs> anyway the next card i'm going to talk about is of course more toxic bullshit and this is the other card that everyone's obsessed with and i am also one of those people um so it's a green card. It's Bloated Contaminator. It's two and a green for a 4-4 Phyrexian Beast with Trample and Toxic 1. And whenever it deals combat damage to a player, you proliferate. So this is just a fucking nice overrate body that just doesn't quit. Mm. Yeah, that's, that's a, a big, big boy. boy. Obviously kind of deals two yeah. poison counters uh, when it deals damage. And the fact that it has Trample and is huge means it's probably going to deal mm-hmm. damage yep that just just seems like a high rate toxic yeah. card so really happy with that 
The only problem is that I'm going to play so many games where this just gets stonewalled by Shieldred, but I'm uh, trying to figure out some ways around that at the moment, but uh, I'll, I'll get back to you on that. But I'm definitely taking this card. This is also a beast in Limited, too, so, like, for sure. Like, <laughs> true. I, it's pretty it's good. A, it's a really card. good card. I, I really want this card. Well, if Zach's only going to talk to you about Toxic, I'm only going to talk to you about janky graveyard cards. <laughs> Hell yeah. Um, so... <laughs> Uh, the next card that I have an eye on as being super interesting to me is Conduit of Worlds. This is a two green green artifact that has some of my favorite text in Magic, which is, you may play lands from your graveyard. I love all cards that say this. Crucible of Worlds, Ramanap Excavator, I've been on board for all of them. I don't know why I wouldn't be on board for this one. And then it also has, just, just to put the cherry on top, it also says, Choose target non-land permanent, so you can tap it. Choose target non-land permanent card in your graveyard. If you haven't cast a spell this turn, you may cast that card. If you do, you can't cast additional spells this turn. Activate only as a sorcery. You're going to have to play this card and show me why you like it. It's It seems like, <laughs> it does seem super graveyardy janky, but like anytime there's like a four mana artifact that just the first line of text is exactly the one that you're excited about, I just like, <laughs> it's the same thing. I just like stop reading and walk away. I did I did read the, yeah. this whole card, but um, it seems cool, but I'm excited to see what you do with it because it looks like it's... It, there it wants something else to go on and i'm excited to see what cards you mm -hmm. pair with it because that will make it cool uh at the moment i don't think it's cool but i know that as soon as you do something sweet with it it'll be it'll be pretty sweet i mean we just need the gitrock monster mm. back but um yeah i guess they, they didn't reprint that one for me uh yeah this should cost three and then i'd be super excited yeah. but at four is like oof. yeah but I still love it. Four is a bit rough, but it does seem like there could be some fun shenanigans with the um, Nukapena uh, sack lands, where you just like, um, I've already seen people play with those a little bit, and this way you always have lands in your graveyard and you just go get other ones. So maybe there's something. Love, love it. Oh boy. All my four ofs are just gonna, I might try to talk about two of them at the same time because it's just gonna be all. They're, they're basically the same card. Yeah. <laughs> so these are two white cards that are both feeding into the toxic mechanic. And I bet as you're sitting here, you can guess exactly which ones I'm going to talk about. <laughs> so it's Skrelv Detector Might, which is a one mana. It's a single white for a 1-1 one, one legendary artifact creature, Phyrexian Might with Toxic 1. And it can't block. And it has the activated ability uh, White Phyrexian and Tap. To choose a color, another target creature you control gains Toxic 1 and Hexproof from that color until end of turn. It can't be blocked by creatures of that color this turn. So it basically gets protection, but they just decided not to use protection anymore for some reason. Um, but this card, ah, oh, look at how cute he is. He's just so, he's just gnawing on somebody's claw. Um, no, uh, the, the like tokens in the set are like these little mite tokens, and they're all one ones with Toxic 1 and can't block. But this is like their leader, basically, um, because he protects mm -hmm. everybody. And I love little white creatures that protect you. I love the uh, the selfless savior, the dog that sacrifices to protect you. I love Mother of Runes. I all those cards. I like love it. So this thing, this is this is the shit. Especially because you can just pay two life to do it. Like they could have fucked you over by being like you have to pay mana. No, I don't have to pay mana for this. Mm. I love it. Uh, with that being said, I probably only want two 
uh, to start because I don't know if my first, I don't really love the idea of opening a hand and being like sick. I have two or three of this card in my opening hand and those are my early plays because um, it is legendary. So kind of, kind of a bummer there. It's just a tiny bummer that I can't have more than one in the battlefield, but uh, I do like it and I like the protection that we're getting. And I said I was talking about two cards. So of course I'm just gonna pair this with you know the rest of the card, <laughs> essentially, which is uh, yeah. Skrelv's Hive, which is a one and a white for an enchantment. And uh, it's, you know, uh, Jeff had said this, but I've heard other people cutely say it as well. It's Critter Blossom. So at the beginning of your upkeep, mm -hmm. you lose one life and create a one, one colorless Phyrexian Might artifact creature token with toxic one and this creature can't block. But it also has the new ability Corrupted. So as long as your opponent has three or more poison counters, creatures you control with Toxic have lifelink. So the idea is that my entire deck is going to be Toxic anyway. So all of my creatures will have lifelink. And all these little dudes are uh, going to be deadly. So this is my first idea of the deck. Is that I'm going to play white-green tokens, basically, that have Toxic. And they're just mm -hmm. going to sit there on the board until the turn I alpha strike and then I kill them. Nice. As we know that uh, creatures that can't block are still worth something because, well, you know, the decayed zombies ended up being big, uh, big players. Not necessarily in Constructed, but these ones, kind of, I guess they t kind of deal as much damage because they're one ones that deal toxic one. So they deal poison counters and those were two twos. So, but you know what? Eh. I think it's I think it's gonna be great. Yeah, I was gonna round out my list with the uh, Skrelv's Hive, as well. Um, I like token based. I don't care that much about Skrelv. Yeah. Myself. Might might make it in, might not. Um, but Skrelv's Hive, just the call to Blitter Blossom is awesome. Um, I like the design of the card a lot, and uh, I like token based strategies. So. They're not usually good, but I like to pick up the cards like this just in case tokens becomes a real thing. Like, we have some stuff now with, uh, oh, geez, what's the Naya uh, Oh, Jetmir? With, um... Yeah, but... Uh, the Cabaretti. Cabaretti, yeah, like Cabaretti Charm. Mm -hmm. It's a pretty good tokens-based. And there's a lot of Cabaretti stuff that points you in the direction of tokens, so this is a powerful token generator for that kind of deck and goes along, you know. One of the stronger cards in standard is uh, you know, wedding announcement. So I think there's definitely some strong pieces in the tokens game. So that's kind of what I'm looking to do with this card is just build out a tokens deck. Yeah, I, uh, I like that. You know, um, having your gala greeters and having triggers every single turn or t t two triggers. That seems nice. Um, whether that's actually good or not, I don't know. I'll, I guess I'm in the white green brain right now. So um, all I'm thinking about is white green decks. Uh, but to round out the end of my list is of course a land that I'm going to talk about, which is, uh, <laughs> the seed core, which is all about <laughs> toxic creatures kind of. Um, so what it is, is a like gold land. It's rare and it's a sphere. So you can tap it for colorless or you can add one mana of any color, spend this mana only to cast Phyrexian creature spells. Um, which is really nice, especially in a deck that you're trying to play um, Phyrexian creatures on turn one that are either white or green. Um, and there's a possibility I might try to splash some black in there. Uh -huh. We'll see. Um, 
but that's nice. Uh, and I like the text at the bottom, which I, so I don't, I don't know if this ability is good, but it could help sway some games where it has a, another ability at the bottom. It says corrupted. So you can uh, tap it and target one, one creature gets plus two plus one until end of turn activate only if a, an opponent has three or more poison counters. So then you're like, it adds the axis of like, am I going to kill you with poison or damage? Because now my little one ones, like either I can make them three twos so that when you block, they trade, or I can deal extra damage to you. And depending on how many seed cores I have, it could be a lot of math going on. Uh, sounds kind of interesting. The only little meh about it is that the venerated rot priest is a one two. And so this doesn't, do it to that. It does help with uh, Skrelv and all of them, but um, it's mainly kind of focused towards the token. So there's that little hiccup. Uh, and if I added black, then maybe it would do some... Black has like uh, a one mana tox... Like one mana one one that has toxic one and death touch. And then there's like a two mana one one flyer with toxic one. So, you know, if that ended up being part of the game, but those just don't seem very strong. So I don't really know... I'm going to play around with it a little bit, hopefully. <laughs> um, so we'll, we'll have to, we'll have to see. So this is like really, I love that they put this card in, as you say, it's kind of obviously geared towards toxic creatures because uh, it has that trigger on poison mm -hmm. and then the Phyrexian. And I think the reason this is here is that Pendlehaven is like a mainstay of infect decks. Oh, Pendlehaven really? Pendlehaven is, uh, yeah, Pendlehaven is target one one creature gets plus one plus two till end of turn. And so you basically get into this holding pattern where they have a free protection spell for their thing against lightning bolts and stuff mm -hmm. in modern. And so you, you can never like cast your lightning bolt because they can Pendlehaven in response. They can never Pendlehaven because you could lightning bolt. Um, but Pendlehaven is, yeah, like in fact always plays it. So this is like an aggressive version of Pendlehaven because it gives plus two plus one instead of plus one. It's clearly a call out to mm -hmm. Pendlehaven, um, but it's goes in the, it's the toxic one and Pendlehaven's for the infect deck. So I think it's pretty cool that they, they put something like this. That's nice. I, I knew it was a call out to Pendlehaven, but I didn't know that they, that it was a mainstay in toxic and modern. So that's pretty, that's infect. In sorry. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. That's so embarrassing. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, infected modern because that's probably a deck I would wanted. I if I played modern or I was actually playing during that time when modern was important. <laughs> Is that yeah. mean to say all, all of our modern listeners just just quit? Yeah, they just turned <laughs> our diehard modern on the arena regulars. Uh, there's no modern yeah. on arena, so. What are you doing? Uh, anyway. Now, Pendlehaven is better in Infect than this is in Toxic. For sure. It doesn't protect. Infect, and Infect, like, uses that plus one power yes. better, basically. So that's sort of the other reason Infect plays it is it's a free pump mm -hmm. spell in the Infect deck. You might as well play at least one. Yeah. Where this one kind of, it doesn't, uh, yeah. It, it just doesn't work exactly the same. But... I'm still excited for that. But still, if all your creatures are Phyrexian, definitely you should play yeah. this, right? Like, <laughs> that's that's great. It will only get wonky when you have to play uh, Skrelv's, uh the Critter Blossom. Yeah, or like a protection. Yeah, spell and you're like, fuck. But, but um, eh, what are yeah, the odds? Yeah, that that's happen? fine. Um, so that was my list. One call out I just wanted to sort of ask your opinion on. I think these some of these cards are powerful, but sort of like Nissa, they just don't call mm -hmm. out to me. 
but we got a cycle of mythic rare creatures. Yes. That is the Dominus cycle. So I happen to have the red one here just as an example. It's Solfim Mayhem Dominus, two red red for a 5-4. It has the ability if a source you control would deal non-combat damage to an opponent or a permanent opponent controls, it deals double that damage instead. And then you can pay one Phyrexian red, Phyrexian red, and discard two cards to put an indestructible counter on them. So the whole cycle is like this. They're, you know, above-rate creatures with a strong activated ability that can give themselves an indestructible counter uh, at the cost of a lot of resources. It's always at least two Phyrexian mana and then, like, sack two creatures or discard two cards in this case, etc. Um, but it ensures that you can keep that powerful ability on the battlefield because you get an indestructible counter at instant speed some of them don't even require mana they just require phyrexian mm -hmm. mana so did, did anything from this cycle i think it's a cool cycle and pretty powerful just nothing that i saw that i was like oh yeah i def super gonna gonna build a deck around that but felt like it was worth calling oh. out this cycle because i'm sure a lot of people are yeah it's it. absolutely worth calling out and i was going to dive a little bit deeper into it after our beer break so i have more to to talk about it, it then but initial thoughts um <clears throat> i think they're all super sweet uh and i love the mm -hmm. i love indestructible counters and i love how they're trying new things with it because originally we saw them with um, these really expensive gods in like Kamigawa, which like right. <clears throat> they're like deities or something. I can't remember, but they'd come in with a, their indestructible counter and you could take it off to do something. Um, so anyway, I like this way and they're all like sweet protection where you like, you know, double shock yourself to do it. Um, and with some other resource thing, but uh, they all look pretty sweet, except for the green one. That one's the weakest, but which is nice. It's nice to see the green one be like not the best. <laughs> that never happens. I know. By weakest, do you mean by far the best? Because that's that's usually yeah, usually. And it's like oh, <laughs> like the the one from what is it, Dominary United, where it's like oh yeah, you get plus one plus one counters on all of your creatures every time you play creatures instead of like one creature gets menace and like, you're like come on, like what the fuck? <laughs> the red one, like yeah, you're staff. like and every creature <laughs> on the board gets it. Just give it to. There must have been a mistake. There must have been a mistake. Yeah. Uh, why doesn't the red one ping everything yeah. then? Like why do? Come, <laughs> come on. on. Uh, but anyway, I will talk a little bit more about that cycle after our beer break. So Jeff, let's just uh, get to it. This beer break is brought to you by our patrons over on Patreon. That's right. You're already supporting the show just by listening. But if you want to support the show even more, Patreon is the best way to do that. Plus, you get to vote on which co-host is your favorite by clicking the big old buy Jeff a beer button. Or the bigger buy Zach a beer button. So go to patreon.com slash arena regulars to vote on your favorite host. Or if you'd rather send us beer emojis than IRL beers, that's fine too. You can do that on the Arena Regulars Discord channel. The link is in the show notes. <laughs> what monstrosity have you brought this time? <laughs> <laughs> so um, this beer I've actually wanted to have on the show for quite a long time. Uh, that doesn't necessarily mean that it's a beer that I think is fantastic. It just means it's a beer I thought was really cool. Um, mm -hmm. So I saw this last year and uh, didn't buy enough of it. And then it ended up kind of going away until I saw it again this year. And I had to snatch it up for the show. So this is Lost Crafts Neapolitan. 
It is a ice cream stout, which you guessed it, with vanilla, chocolate, and strawberry flavors. Um, it's also brewed with lactose, duh, ice cream, and it's 6%. So Anytime I hear Neapolitan, it just makes me think of like the Simpsons scene when he's going through the freezer and he has all the Neapolitans and they just have the chocolate eaten out of each one <laughs> and the other two are like perfect and at the top and he just keeps like oh damn it and he like keeps throwing them away to find one that has chocolate <laughs> <laughs> that's funny so yeah let's talk about this really quickly because i don't really care for chocolate ice cream that much do you like chocolate mm. ice cream uh i'm i would take if if i was scooping out one of the flavors from neapolitan it would be vanilla yeah okay I don't mind chocolate, but I tend to, like, I like peanutty or coffee flavors. So I, I could do, like, a mocha ice cream, mm -hmm. which is, you know, coffee and chocolate. Or peanut butter and chocolate's obviously a classic yeah. combo. <laughs> oh, yeah, duh. But chocolate on its own, I just, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't be my first choice. I feel like it just doesn't really taste like chocolate that much. It's just kind of like brown ice cream that's, like, there. Uh, and I would, yeah. in my youth, <laughs> in my youth, um, I probably, <laughs> I would have picked strawberry first. I think now I'd probably pick vanilla and then strawberry and then chocolate would be last. Um, yeah, me, that'd be my order as yeah. well. So nice. High five. Boom. Uh, we are on the same page with Neapolitan, unlike Magic Hearts, I think. Uh, <laughs> now I do have to... Before we really get into the meat of this section, okay. I have to correct an egregious error mm. that I made in the previous section. Because um, while I was scrolling through, I realized there's a card that is absolutely on my list that was not mentioned. Oh my god, Jeff, I can't so. believe you forgot a card. What is it? I know. This needs to be rectified immediately. It is a white card, believe it or not. Whoa. And it is called Norn's Wellspring. So this is one and a white for an artifact. It says, whenever a creature you control dies, scry one and put an oil counter on Norn's Wellspring. Then you can pay one, tap it, and remove two oil counters to draw a card. Oh, man. Artifact that references sacrificing your creatures and... Or wants you to sacrifice your creatures and doesn't really do anything? That's right up my alley. I love it. <laughs> this is a card I also looked at because I was thinking, well, with the Scritter, uh, scritter Blossom. Yep. <laughs> with the now we're cooking with gas. Yeah, right? That, I'm assuming that my creatures are going to attack and die often. I'm going to be trading, like, uh, I'll attack with four creatures and only get two through and lose two. So I was like, yeah, this seems like a really good way to keep drawing more cards. Um, mm -hmm. But I didn't put it on my list, but, like, it, I, I do like it. I'll probably end up crafting it, to be honest. That's just what's going to happen. Meanwhile, I'm sitting over here like, I'm going to force a Mardu deck, and I'm going to sack the Hive tokens to my Anvil, mm -hmm. and then I'm going to get drawing cards off my Wellspring. I mean, epic. that sounds good in combination with the, the big red dragon. Eh, seems so. Uh, yeah, yeah, I like it. And it's a lot of non-creature cards involved it, in this really ridiculous is. combo. Yeah, so, and then being able to get, you know, <laughs> I guess... I don't know how many cards will go in the graveyard because you're sacrificing tokens. So six mana to get like <laughs> yeah. a two, two artifact, probably not the best or two mana artifact, not the best, but, um, yeah, I can dream. You can dream. All right. Anyway, um, I did promise some sort of wacky story slash deck about the red Dominus. So, yes. um, I'm not going to take credit for this. 
Frank Karsten posted this online, but I immediately mm-hmm. like was rethinking my entire life, <laughs> uh, but more so my entire list of my uh, picks because I was like, should I add every single one of these cards to my no pass list? I was like, oh, I don't know, but it does revolve around the red Dominus. So the most important part already sounds a bit meme but go yes, ahead. it's very meme but you can get a turn four kill with no combat. That's what I can offer you. The important part about the Red Dominus is that it's ability, of course, which if a source you control would deal non-combat damage to an opponent, uh, it deals double that damage instead. So what we are going to do is we are going to take the Gruul legendary creature Miglaws, Maze Crusher, which uh, is okay. a, it's a three mana four four, but it enters the battlefield with five oil counters. That's very important. It has five oil counters. Love to see that. Then we are also going to use um, uh, probably probably some copper line gorges, but it doesn't really matter. They're just helpful because they make green and red. Because we need double red and <laughs> green and red. Um, and then we're going to be using the monumental facade. It gets two oil counters, and then you can tap it for a a colorless mana, or you can remove an oil counter from it, and uh, you can put oil counters on other things. That's not so much important, but you need two monumental facades, because they have two oil counters (laughs) each. All right? You you see where I'm going? Uh So then, uh, it's basically turn one, you play monumental facade, Oh, sorry, turn two, you play the Copperline Gorge, and then you play Filigree Silex, which is the final piece of the puzzle, which is a two-mana legendary artifact, which uh, in the story, you'll find out next week. But uh, the card is uh, you tap it, put an oil counter on the Silex, and you can tap it and sacrifice it to destroy each non-land permanent with mana value equal to the number of oil counters. That doesn't really matter because we're just going to tap it to put oil counters on it because the final ability is you can tap it and remove 10 oil counters from among permanents you control, sacrifice the Silex, and deal 10 damage to any target. <laughs> so, turn one, we play the facade. Turn two, we play Copperline Gorge, and we play the Silex. Turn three, we play another Copperline Gorge. We play the Gruel Guy. Now we have seven oil counters. We tap the Silex, get another oil counter on there just for fun. Um, uh, that one's not just for fun. The next one's for fun. Uh, turn four, we play another monumental facade and then we play our, um, fucking Dominus, sack it, deal 20 damage to them. I love it. I love it. I love it. Yes. I love that. It's definitely not competitive. Yes. So I'm, I'm happy with it's it. It's so <laughs> uncompetitive. Um, <laughs> But uh, thank you for listening to that very long and very ridiculous uh, uh, kind of uh, uh, line. Why is the Silex like all Phyrexian with the oil counters and stuff? That is funny. I didn't think about that. Um, I'm not going to get too deep into it. Uh, yeah. Maybe all of you can figure out in next week's episode. But um, uh, spoiler alert, it's a drunken Vorthos. Uh, that's why I don't want to talk about it too much right now. Anyway. Yes, I love that. Um, as soon as you said it involves the red Dominus, mm-hmm. I knew it was something to do with that. I thought it was going to be the classic, like, uh, I don't know, some sort of nonsense where you can somehow end up with two of these in play and then 
you like are doubling and doubling again so mm-hmm. you don't have to do very much damage um this this is like slightly nostalgic for me because when i was a kid and first started playing magic i saw furnace of wrath mm-hmm. which is literally just this card but it's not a creature and it can't protect itself it's just an enchantment but it's not legendary so you could stack them um and i remember just being like amazed i was like what doubles everything if i get two of these it quadruples everything i get three it's eight times like um and just loving that even though i'm sure that furnace of wrath was never a competitive card um maybe it was i don't know Magic used to be a lot weaker. So It's true. I mean, it was like four mana, though, right? It was only four. Yeah, it was a four mana enchantment. It was like one red, red, red. Uh, so I think that's super cool. Uh, I don't know that the red one with its combo is really ever going to be the thing, but I love that it exists. Like, that's just super cool to <laughs> exist in Magic, and people are going to have so much fun trying to make that work, whether it's in Kitchen Table or in Commander, where... You know, you have way more damage to deal or, you know, even in competitive events. It's just, it's cool to put stuff like that in there. And the fact that the reason I said I'm happy it's not competitive is because that's the type of thing that like, if it's good, it's just horrible. Yeah, it's <laughs> so unfun to play against. To play you just against. die on turn four all the time. Anyone who's uh, maybe played against a certain land-based combo deck in Pioneer knows that when... Yes. You die on turn three or four, like a high percentage of the time. It's not that fun. <laughs> Especially when like your only way of winning is like countering their stuff. Um, yeah. This one, obviously, there's a bunch of ways to disrupt the combo. And. Oh, yeah. It's like super weak. The big thing is everything. all of the pieces of the combo are legendary. So if you have multiples <laughs> in your hand, it sucks so hard. <laughs> like, it really sucks. So um <laughs> that's hilarious <laughs> yeah um this is part of uh, that's a, exactly i guess i guess the monumental facade is not legendary yeah so. that's true that's like the best part of the combo honestly to me is that oh it's like i could play yeah. monumental facade um the rest of them i'm like oh i really i would love to try to do it but um i'm not super stoked on most of it the idea i take away from that mostly is like it's kind of cool to play the monumental facade with filigree silex mm-hmm. um just because it has the two free oil counters exactly and you can move it over to make the blast bigger yes so i just wanted to point that out i like it uh but obviously none of those cards made it on my no pass list because i'm not going to build that deck uh also all <laughs> of those cards are like rare or mythic so um yeah it's an expensive uh, meme deck yes uh, it's the kind of deck where you can go watch streamers play it on like the early access thing. That will be yeah. a lot of fun. And then after that, no one will want to play it because it'll be like, oh, I exactly. got to watch somebody else do it. And that's what I recommend you do as well. If that sounds fun or sounded fun, you should go just watch a streamer do it so that you don't have to spend a butt ton of wild cards to not be able to do it. You know, <laughs> like the amount of yeah. games you're going to lose because all your cards are legendary and the combo doesn't come together. It's going to be really annoying. Yeah, your opponent, like, gains a life. You're like, fuck, mm-hmm. man, that's not fair. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. There are some certain uh, streamers, you know, we won't name any names, that will definitely be playing this deck. Yeah. Um, and we can, it will be all over YouTube for, like, a week. We can totally then... name names. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> it, 
there was a deck like this last format too and we ended up i ended up choosing it explicitly as my like overrated card for that set just so nobody built that deck yeah um so this is in in like a similar vein to that Mm -hmm. but if you think you would have a ton of fun with it that hey man that it's up to you um but it is wild card heavy to build this combo deck and yes uh, this is not a good deck and they're like the only card in the deck that might see some play might be the silex like you might see that yeah in some stuff um and like i don't see monumental facade really doing that much but uh the silex maybe in something so yeah like i might play the silex in my mono red control deck mm-hmm. uh, kind of thing because you just need board wipes in a control deck and then something like that that's uh, one way to get cards in the graveyard for your be- dragon dude is blow up the world exactly and then Perfect. i bring the silex back <gasps> and you do it over again because the, the thing about the silex if you haven't played with cards like this um once it hits the table it kind of gets your opponent to be like do i keep committing to the board or not like whoa and it especially well sorry go ahead yeah i w- just want to call out something about the silex that I think my, a lot of people might read this as uh, it destroys everything with mana value less than or equal to its oil. Mm-hmm. It's actually just equal to. Yes. They can commit more, but if they, they want to be careful about committing more with the same mana value of stuff they've already committed. You get it? Like, this is kind of ratchet bomb here or whatever. Yes. Um, it's very weird to play with and against <laughs> because uh, it, it's, it does make your opponent think about everything they play, but... Uh, once you like make the decision to go up in oil they're short of removing 10 oil counters Mm -hmm. um there's no going back so then they can start committing smaller stuff Mm -hmm. but you are right like they can't commit their game-winning five drop usually you have a target in mind or something which you're like i'm just gonna sit this on five Mm -hmm. and now if you ever play your teferi i have the answer locked and loaded yeah or, like, you put it on four so that you never have to deal with Shieldred. And, like... Right, yeah. Maybe you suicide your cough because of it or something. But when you get to two, three, and four, that's what you... That's the sweet spot. But anyway, uh, Jeff, I did have a question for you as we're uh, looking at things. Which is specifically for Standard. Um, mm-hmm. And we had a card like this in... Well, there's two cards, actually. But one in particular... Um, we had a card like this in the last set that was a reprint that we kind of told you to stay away from. Now, is this one just like that one? Is it just like an old card that shouldn't really be played anymore? Or do you think it's going to do anything? Um, which is... Talking about the arena? Yes. Uh, Phyrexian Arena. Which is just one black black enchantment. You draw an extra card at the beginning of your upkeep and you lose a life. Um, it, because it's a, a good, seemingly good black card. I don't know if this card's good anymore uh, because it's a do-nothing enchantment that gives you incremental advantage. But a lot of the cards in Standard tend to kind of give incremental advantage just doing extra stuff. And especially in a meta where black is really good and Shieldred is really good, that is there more mono-black decks that are like, I want to go all in on my Shieldred plan? Does it... Is it just putting too many eggs in the same basket to have a Fyrex in Arena to be like, sweet, I just I get to draw cards and gain a bunch of life? Or is it just not worth playing? 
Yeah, so I'm a big fan of this card. This is another nostalgia one for me. I mm-hmm. owned an, an old school Phyrexian Arena back in the day, and I was like, uh, you know, the one of my kid friends that liked the card and always played it. Mm-hmm. I was like, look at how many cards I get to draw. Um, the pessimist in me is saying this is not good enough anymore. I think people will try this, and ultimately it'll sort of filter out of deck lists, mm-hmm. uh, is my guess. Basically, because what you're saying, it's like cards are so multi-dimensional these days that you can get card advantage without committing a card that only does that and does it slowly. Like you can get slow incremental card advantage just from the creatures you play. Um, so you don't need this. It is interesting with Shieldred because it's good with your Shieldred mm-hmm. because you negate the life gain or the life loss. Um, but it's really bad. With your opponent's. It's bad with your opponent's shielded, because then you're taking three every card you draw off this. Mm-hmm. That's I think ultimately, sadly, it won't it won't be good enough. Like the other thing I always think about is like compare this to wedding announcement, mm-hmm. which can draw you a card a turn uh, also. Um, but it can if you are less interested in drawing the card every turn, it can make tokens for you instead. Mm-hmm. And then, like, flip into an ad. Like, it just feels like Wedding Announcement is leagues better than this card. Um, now, Wedding Announcement is very good, but still, that's, like, that's the bar we've set yeah. in standard. I mean, like, so, this has the same mana cost as Liliana of the Veil. Like, right, and people aren't playing that. So, so <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's the other thing, like you said, Black is has so many options. Is this really the cream of the crop? Um, I could see it maybe as like a sideboard card if there's like a non-black control deck of some sort, mm-hmm. you know, no shieldred, and you really need to grind them out. You could bring this in maybe. And they also can't destroy enchantments easily. I don't, I don't know what deck this is coming in against, but it's possible. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree with you that um, we might see it sprinkled in, but it's not going to do very much. Um, though, of course, then... This leads me to the other card that mm-hmm. we're talking about, which is black cards and heavy black cards. And it was a Phyrexian Obliterator, which is... Yeah, yeah right next to it, because it's Phyrexian. Yeah. The name. Um, uh, but black, 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 black for the 5-5 five, five Trampler that uh, makes people sacrifice things when they deal damage to it. Will this card do anything? I actually w- have never played this card in a standard format, so... I don't remember. Did, did you know... Did this do anything when it was in Standard? Was it huge? Was it like the I don't the know thing? what in Standard. This did something in... It was either Pioneer or Modern, like semi-recently, but it was a specific answer to a certain type of thing that dealt damage to stuff. Yeah. So it was almost like a combo piece, I think. I'm going to guess like it was Modern. I don't piece. think it's Pioneer legal till now, so... Um, okay, yeah, but it, there was, like, this card was randomly showing up for some reason. It was, um, I can't remember why, but it it basically just, like, make, some, make the opponent sack everything they had, and that was the whole plan. That was, it. That was like, the whole plan. Mm-hmm. I, I think that just gets, there's so many efficient removal spells, it just gets gilled mm-hmm. <laughs> before, like, no one's ever going to deal any damage to it. It could start to warp the meta if people are starting to move towards damage-based removal and creature combat. Like, if it starts to move in that direction, the black, you know, mono-black can just put this thing in, and they'll have a 
a really tough time beating it. But currently, everyone's playing, like, minus X, minus X type removal yeah. or destroy target whatever type removal. Yeah. It's obviously pretty bad against that. Mm-hmm. But I could see it. This could make an impact if, you know, aggro creature decks start to take over. Like, this is a tough card for them to beat. Yeah. Red decks in particular. Yes. Um, so we'll see, but I think you're pretty spot on with... If black is the best thing, uh, this card doesn't really... This doesn't beat black decks, and it doesn't help them enough. Right. So it's really not the place. It doesn't have a place, really, right now. It's one of those weird things where it's quadruple black, but it actually wants black decks to not be good in order for it to be good because mm-hmm. it's so bad against black decks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's the, it kind of goes back to that weird black thing that used to be a big deal when, when we played a long time ago, but um, where black cards couldn't kill other black cards. Like, yeah. they could always destroy, like terror could always destroy non-black, non-artifact things. Because uh, yeah. the whole... It's always dark banishing yeah. for me. That's the one that... And then a lot of your cards had fear. Mm-hmm. And so you're... If you were against a black opponent, they could just block normally. But, like, uh, everybody else couldn't, <laughs> unless they had artifacts. Um, flavorfully, like, really cool, but uh, ultimately, I guess, got removed. Fear was my favorite mechanic of all time when I was playing as a kid, so um, I thought it was just the best thing ever. Uh, there was a card called Cover of Darkness from Onslaught that's one in a black for an enchantment. You could choose a creature type, and all creatures of that type have fear. And so, of course, I played a zombie deck, and I was like destroying all my goblin and elf opponents where i'm like you can't block any creature i play loved it um <laughs> probably not that great uh, in the long run anyway because <laughs> i was doing that when artifact decks were busted because mirrored just came out <laughs> yeah uh, <laughs> um, they tried to bring it back sort of with intimidate or what was it called intimidate? yeah it was called it intimidate. was like specific color fear like you only creatures of this color can block it yeah uh, but people didn't like that either, so eventually they discovered that as well. Yeah, I, you know, it turns out people don't like abilities where they can't block, like, mm-hmm. big abilities where they, like, are on a bunch of cards. They're like, wait, I can't block anything? Yeah. Like, uh, we're getting way off topic, but uh, it's like shadow cards. So, oh, yeah. remember Shadow? So, if you don't know, Shadow was a mechanic where... Uh, the creature couldn't be blocked or couldn't block creatures with or without shadow. So it's literally a shadow. They can only interact with other shadows on the battlefield. And um, it worked really well when you play Kitchen Table and no one had any shadow cards because they'd never heard of that in their entire life. And all of your cards were shadow. (laughs) So you just, like, attacked them mercilessly. Um, And for whatever reason, they got rid of that mechanic. I don't know why. Um, But... (laughs) I mean, it was balanced, right? I can't block their creatures either. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. But most of your cards were like two ones or three ones, and that was basically... Four ones yeah. and stuff. Yeah. Um, um, there was a while when they did a whole lot of like slight variants on flying. There's like horsemanship and mm-hmm. flying. Yeah. A lot of it was like, you can't block me unless you also have this. Yeah. Uh, it's like, guys, flying is the, is the best one. Let's just It just makes the that. most sense stick with it it's too confusing to have too many different ones um and, yeah. it's, just, and it's not fun and you have a, you have like a creature with horsemanship and flying or some shit and you're like what the fun. fuck and it's like <laughs> what can block this yeah <laughs> does it have to have both yeah i, I don't know um anyway uh 
that's also good. Well, I don't want to get into a bunch of mechanic talk. You know what we should really be talking about is the mechanics in this set. Yeah. Um, just want a last thought that sort of landed on Menace as their favorite unblockable mechanic. Um, yes. Okay. All, all of that led to Menace. So if you still hate Menace, it used to be a lot worse. Yeah, it's true. Uh, yeah. One thing I w- wanted to talk about was another cycle. Um, and this, again, this is like, I love when they do stuff like this because it's nostalgic again for me. But it's the Twilight Cycle. Mm. One of the second set I ever went to a pre-release for, which is Fifth Dawn. And a cycle of cards called, like, White Sun's Zenith, or Blue Sun's Zenith. So Mirrodin has five suns. Each one would, I guess, when it was at its zenith, would have, like, a mana surge and do something cool was the theme. Now that it's under Phyrexia, they have, you know, Color Sun's Twilight. Uh, and they're also X spells, just like the, the Zenith Sun's cards were. Actually, were the Zenith? They weren't even from Fifth Dawn, were they? They were from, like... They were from Mirrodin Phyrexia. Besieged, I think. Mir- right, right. Yeah, Mirrodin Besieged. Anyways, the idea was it was Mirrodin's sons before, and now it's, like, Phyrexia's son. Yeah, so I, I think these are cool, and uh, they have a similar sort of template, where it's an X spell, it does its X thing, and if X is five or more, it does extra. I am not... There's none in particular that I'm majorly stoked on we could read the white one for example it's sorcery x white 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 sun's twilight gain x life create x one one colorless phyrexian might artifact creature tokens with toxic one that can't block and then if x is five or more you destroy all other creatures yeah so they're pretty powerful if you get them up to five uh and mostly i think it's just a cool callback to like older cards Mm -hmm. I guess is now less nostalgic for me now that I'm remembering that they were actually in a set I didn't play. But <laughs> what you're thinking uh, of, I know, I know what you're thinking of. It's the um, the beacons they had in Fifth Dawn. Yes, I yeah. was thinking of the beacons, which uh, they did something and then shuffled back into their owner's library. But um, right, those were pretty cool. They were pretty sweet. But um, f- weirdly, I also have a nostalgia for the zeniths because, like. Mm-hmm. Um, when you're talking about this, I had some in college. We had uh, this box of just like cards nobody liked. Uh, it, it was kind of like when you open booster packs, you throw every other card into this box. It was the community right. chest. And uh, I pulled a couple White Sun Zenith from it and would use them in this token deck I had with um, Elspeth Terrell that I had pulled from a, a draft we did. And it was just like the sweet thing. And I was like, oh yeah, tokens are fucking awesome. I love them. Um, so seeing these come back as like something else is really exciting for me as well. So I, I understand that, that nostalgia. And I think they're like blue suns. Twilight is good. Like there are, um, there's a card. I can't remember. It's from Ixalan that like you lets you steal a creature. And it was used in like mono blue spirits for a while, uh, against some uh, bigger creature opponents. Like, um, if you're playing against gruel or mono green or something, you can steal their creatures but this is that card but better and so it's just it's just awesome i'm like oh sick this card is going to go straight into that sideboard and i'm very happy about right. it also cycles are awesome i just i love seeing cycles um yeah that i mean every magic player likes them so it's just it's just part of magic that makes me feel really happy um mm-hmm. which also brings me to a card that is added to a cycle that 
I wish they did a little bit differently. I wish they kind of added them in a different way so that we could actually use them better. But in any case, we have more of them and I'm, I'm just happy we have more. But this is the sword cycle. So yes. in um, uh, Mirrodin, uh, what was that? Uh, Scars of Mirrodin and going into Mirrodin Besieged and then New Phyrexia, they had a bunch of swords, sword of whatever. And we have a new one called Sword of Forge and Frontier. They all cost three mana and they all equip for two. They all give equipped a creature plus two plus two and protection from two different colors. And then they have abilities when you hit that opponent or an opponent that represent the two different colors. So this one specifically is a plus two plus two and protection from red and green. And whenever a cryptic creature deals combat damage to a player, exile the top two cards of your library. You may play those cards this turn and you may play an additional land this turn. So the first one is red and the second one's green. Um, but I like these. They've added more in like modern horizon sets, which makes them non pioneer legal. So I think this is the first one that's pioneer legal that we can play, um, right. which is nice. It's not the best one, but I do, I do like them. I don't think it's going to be playable really uh, anywhere, but it is a cool card, and I I love to see cycles slowly doled out where they just give you like a little, just like a penny, just a little. This here's one Sorry. more. You can wait just five years and get another one. Sword. Yeah. Sorry. Um, but as we, you know, improve our design, uh, they get worse, just so you know. Mm -hmm. so. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, the way these tend to play out in practice is, like, if a Gruul deck becomes awesome, then you put this in your sideboard and the Gruul deck basically can't beat it. Um, because the protection is really the best part mm -hmm. of these things. Because otherwise they're just so slow, expensive, and contingent on you dealing damage to a player... It's never the best. So swords are super cool, but I find in the competitive landscape in practice, the way they get used is just like, uh, I put it in my sideboard if like red green's a big deck uh, that I need to have an easy way to fight. But it's still pretty cool to get another sword here. Like again, just the nostalgic callbacks and the sword cycles, particularly interesting because yeah, like you said, they haven't made them all and they just keep making one or two here mm -hmm. and there. Um, so that's, that is pretty sweet. And there's no reason they couldn't double up again on the same colors, right? Like, um, just a different design of the red-green sword or whatever. So, yeah, definitely the sword's a cool card. Um, I'm not super high on its it being, like, a, a big player in, no. in any of the formats that I play. That's why I'm not going to pick it up when I see it. Though I'm, it's one of, that's, that's I mean, the real on, test. It's so good in draft, you would take this. <laughs> I would want to take it. I mean, like, okay, in draft, is it so good in draft? It's so good in draft. Yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> I guess it is, but, like... This is like the kind of card in draft that like you would just play this and then you're just going to spike sometimes when you're against a red green opponent. It's true. Right? Like, okay. <laughs> that has happened to me when I was playing a black white deck and it was in, uh, what was it called when they had, 
masterpieces or whatever. Oh, King Kaladesh, yeah. Someone had Sword of Light and Shadow, and I was just like, well, what the fuck? (laughs) Like, I literally cannot beat this card. I didn't main deck any artifact destruction. I have to side in anything I happen to pick that can kill that in game two and, like, hope it lines up well, but I just cannot beat this card. (laughs) Pro-white and black. (laughs) F you. Oh, uh, what does that one even do? It like reanimates creatures and stuff. It was very good. Oh uh, boy, I, it was not beatable. I really only know um, Feast and Famine because that's amazing in Commander because it gives right. pro black and green untaps all your lands. It untaps all your lands and makes them discard a card. And then I know um, Fire and Ice. That's a good modern card. That's like the most expensive one because it deals two damage. When it attacks, I think. Or is it only when it when it hits your opponent? Maybe it is when it hits your opponent. It deals two damage and then it uh, uh, does something else. I can't remember. But Okay, so Light and Shadow gains three life and returns a creature to your hand from your graveyard. Okay. Um, that's Which, there's nothing you could do anything that's about. So. But basically, they just equip something, attack you, you can't block it because it has protection from all your stuff. Mm-hmm. And then they re-equip it to something on defense and you're just like, okay. Yeah, but that's Kaladish, so you do have artifact creatures. They were all colored, man. <laughs> I mean, I had some. I had some, like, cr- crappy 3-2 chump blockers yeah, or whatever. But you can block. The thing also gets plus 2, plus 2. So. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, you're going to trade with it, but it also goes on whatever Servo. creature they want. Servo. So. Yeah, <laughs> block. Um, but anyway, yeah, it's cool to have swords back, but I just don't think they're ever going to be... They're never going to be what I want them to be. They seem super fucking cool, and I love the look of them but yeah they're not gonna it's gonna be good in draft you're right i don't know why i would think it wouldn't be good in draft all right zach so speaking of you know nostalgia and uh frankly like just a big wtf moment um there's one more card i want to talk about okay it is a mythic rare artifact from this set okay and it's called staff of completion yep (laughs) so this thing's a three mana artifact let me read this for you guys you can tap it and pay one life to destroy target permanent that you own. Okay. You can tap it and pay two life to add one mana of any color. You can tap it and pay three life to proliferate. You can tap it and pay four life to draw a card. Or you can pay five and untap it. So this is a reference to Staff of Domination, which is a card I definitely liked back in the day. Mm-hmm. But Staff of Domination, you had to like pay mana. It was tap one and tap it pay two and tap it and it did like increasingly good things these abilities are very confusing to me i have no idea if this card is good i, I cannot <laughs> tell <laughs> the first one is just the biggest like it just throws you for a loop right away pay one life tap it destroy target permanent you own is this like a counter to blue sun's yeah <laughs> blue sun's twilight like haha zach and your stupid blue sun's <laughs> fuck you i'm gonna destroy it <laughs> i don't know i don't know what that first one is um like if they steal something and this was tapped and i didn't have mana to untap it i can still kill it next turn or whatever is that the idea presumably if they're stealing something i can use this to kill it in response but i guess if it's tapped and i can't untap it then i could kill it next turn yeah is there anything such a weird ability um there are a no those don't really matter 
why I, I'm trying to think of if there's a card in the set that cares about you oh I figured it out what it combos with dubious challenge so you play this and then you dubious challenge and you kill whatever they take oh there you go that yeah <laughs> that is it it comes genius. genius this card went from like piece of shit to your favorite card <laughs> yeah it's curves right into it it's three into four yeah. this is clearly what it was for oh my gosh i'm trying to think if there's any card that like gives your stuff to your opponent where you're like oh you do this and you have to give it away you know, a lot of the cards that do that don't do anything else. So, like, why would I harmless offering give you something and then destroy it with my staff of completion? The rest of it seems pretty good, though. I mean, um... I mean, four life's a lot to draw a card. I love drawing cards as much as the next uh, Magic player, but, like, life, life totals are mattering more and more in games of Magic. People are still stuck in the old days when, like, gaining life wasn't good, and now it's like, gaining life is really good. Yeah. Um, so, by counterpoints like paying a lot of life is quite bad <laughs> that is true um i don't think i don't i don't know if this is going to play in like sorry i'm looking at this through like staff of domination when i've seen it do busted things is because we were playing commander and something crazy happened where they got a bunch of mana and they can do a ton of stuff um mm -hmm. and draw a bunch of cards staff of domination cost one to untap it so that was a little bit different um but your life total is completely different. So then I would tap the shit out of this <laughs> commander. Yeah. Maybe it is just a commander card. Cause I think so. There's quite a few commander cards that are just in here. Like, did you see that rat commander? That's just like, this is, a com oh, yeah. this is 100%. It's like a legendary rat that cares about rats. Yeah. And you're like, okay, right. it's clearly just a rat commander. Yeah. yeah. This is a rat commander. Boom. Done. Rat commander. There's also a juggernaut commander. That just makes all your creatures juggernauts. <laughs> yeah, I saw that. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Guy. And so you're like, okay, cool. This is so <laughs> dumb. It's <laughs> it's just <laughs> fucking it's like awful. It's so awful. <laughs> but like, if you want to build the juggernaut deck, awesome. Like, hey, it's good with like critter blossom because when you hit eight mana, all your critters become five threes. There you go. But anyway. <laughs> Uh, then Toxic does, just doesn't matter. It's just such a funny... Like, it looks... You know, some of these things, it's like... I They make commander decks for these sets. Why is this not in the commander deck? Like, why did you put this in the regular set? <laughs> this isn't going to do anything. <laughs> like, maybe... If I lose to this in, in uh, Limited, which totally could happen, because, like, it is a pretty... Like, it's still 8 mana, though. That's so much. I don't know. It's so expensive. It's so expensive. <laughs> like... Anyway, it, <laughs> I, I do love the, uh, the Staff of Completion callback. Um, I, I'm on the same boat with you. Or I don't know whether it's good or not, but I am erring on the side of I think it's really good because it just, it, it, for whatever reason, these things just end up being super busted. Though five mana to untap is really bad. So Yeah, I think you have to be in it for the proliferate. Mm -hmm. If you're just trying to draw cards off it, it's too expensive. If you're adding mana, that's like uh, so bad. Manolith it's, or whatever. But like, no, it's what you know, it, it hurts. Yeah. yeah. Hurts. Um, so you have to kind of want all. I'm gonna say three abilities because what the fuck is the first ability? So, <laughs> all right, <laughs> you have to be interested in all three abilities. Uh, and like maybe you're a life game deck. Is that, is that what's going on here? 
I don't know. But um, just thought this was a really, really interesting card. Mm -hmm. And obviously, now that I realized it combos with uh, Dubious Challenge, it's uh, definitely on my no-pass list. Because I'm expecting Dubious Challenge to be added to Arena any any minute now. Yeah, so, you think so? Um, <laughs> we are getting uh, Shadows of Rainestrad remastered, so that means we're definitely not getting Dubious Challenge <laughs> <laughs> like it's a bunch of like Innistrad cards and then dubious challenge <laughs> hey man they know they messed up with Kaladesh remastered okay they left out everyone's favorite card I mean so. it would be nice at some point where they're just like here's a bunch of random rares from shit that like nobody cares about we're gonna code this card for the one guy that likes this card yeah that you should build this deck for the next pioneer event <laughs> yeah. we go to build staff of completion dubious challenge deck Anyway, Jeff, I think it's time to go to last call and close this puppy out. Let's do it. As always, we rate our beers on a scale of bronze to mythic, just like the tiers in Arena. And uh, this has nothing to do with what tier you're in right now, because everyone's in different tiers at different times. And uh, the tiers also don't really matter as much as they used to, because you can play events where you just it, it just doesn't matter. It just, it just doesn't matter. Uh, <laughs> though with that being said bronze beers are trash they're horrible you hate them you spit them out uh, you can't even finish them they're that bad yeah silver beers are one step up they're just kind of not super interesting uh, we tend to put macro brews in this category gold beers are fine but you don't really think about them very often and they're just you know they're there at the, the beer store platinum are solid you would definitely drink this again Diamond beers are exceptional. You would drink these often. You go back to the store to get them and you show them to your friends. And Mythic, these are the best of the best. These are your favorite beers. Uh, you recommend these to anyone who will listen and you're willing to travel to get them. All right, Jeff. Do you know which beer you're going to pick for your favorite of the evening? I think so. Okay. All right. You ready? Here we go. Let's do it. Three, two, one. Neapolitan, <laughs> of course. Unsurprising. Yeah. Um, I almost. Which I, one do you want to start with? I felt like I almost got you a little bit. I was like, maybe I got him. Probably not. Um, let's start with mine. Let's start with Lost Craft right. Neapolitan Ice Cream Stout. Um, I like this one a lot more than I remembered. I've, I've tasted this beer before, but. As we've always said, uh, when you're actually drinking a beer and thinking about how you're going to have to rate it afterwards, which yeah. <laughs> most of the time, you know, if you think that you rate beers in your mind when you're like drinking them, you, you kind of do. But when you actually have to sit down and be like, which one is objectively better and which one would I actually want to have more of and give it an actual like kind of number rating slash like tier, uh, it, it changes the way you taste things. So... This is a lot better than what I remember. And uh, yeah, it definitely felt ice creamy. The parts of Neapolitan ice cream that I liked came through, even though there is a bit of chocolate in there. Um, <laughs> I could kind of taste the strawberry. I was like, huh, it smells like it. I like it. Um, Lost Craft, some of their stuff, you know, last couple times we've had stuff from Lost Craft. I'm like, hey, I kind of like this. This is, uh, mm -hmm. I think you're pretty good. Um, with that being said, I don't know if it creeps up in diamond, but I'll probably talk about it a lot and I will get it when I see it, but it's, I'm, I'm not going to go, it's kind of a gimmick. It's a bit of a gimmick. So I'm going to keep it in platinum. Yeah. So, um, it, it's super fun and I want to, you know, 
have people taste it, but I'm not going to get a case. You know, I don't like it that much. Yeah, I have pretty much the exact same thoughts. Uh, as soon as I tasted it, I was like, oh, like, I, I get it. I get chocolate, I get vanilla, I get strawberry. Mm -hmm. Like, they actually delivered on what they are promising here, which is the Neapolitan ice cream stout. Um, so I, I really like that, because one of my pet peeves is when they have these, like, gimmicky names for something, and then you it just tastes like a stout, and you don't really get any of that at all. Mm -hmm. This definitely is not not that you get as soon as i taste i was like oh yeah that, neapolitan okay um so big thumbs up to lost craft for that that being said i th think the gimmicky like factor of it is is why i didn't end up choosing it um like half about halfway through the beer i was kind of like all right again <laughs> i've had enough I, i've had enough of i'm over it yeah stout. <laughs> yeah um, and it is like creamy like ice cream and stuff too mm -hmm. so they did a great job on that um, and I liked it a lot at first and then just sort of as time wore on, it kind of reminded me that this is not what, like the type of beer I necessarily want. Um, cause I kind of get, it's cool at first and then I kind of get bored of it. Um, which is why I'm, um, that's just why I'm less into some of these gimmicky things or because like I said, usually they don't actually deliver what they promise and, it, and then I just bought a bad beer. Because the marketing team was like, oh, let's call it this to sell our crappy beer. Yeah, that um, is the worst. So I'm glad, it, I'm glad it wasn't that. Yeah. So I'm with you. I'm like, I put this at platinum as well. Mm -hmm. Well, then I would love to hear what you think about Hazed and Confused, the juicy IPA. Yeah. Um, so this is more my style. Big fan of IPAs and East Coast IPAs in particular. And then, of course, Mad Tom, the West Coast cousin of this, is one of my favorite beers. Um, I thought this was pretty good. I think my expectations were higher. Like, it didn't quite meet my lofty expectations. Um, but it does have that juicy citrus, like, punch to it that you expect from an East Coast style. Um, it is what it says it is, and it's a well-made version of it. But I think, like, trying to compare it mentally to some of the other East Coast IPAs I've had, I don't know if this one tops them. Yeah. I, with IPAs, just in general, I tend to really like the juicy ones. And this, so the, the East Coast style, New England, if it says hazy and juicy, those are the ones I usually are really interested in. And um, mm -hmm. this might, might not just, it just might not be juicy enough for me. But that also is because <laughs> when I want juicy beers, I want it to be closer to the juicy and less away from the you yeah. know the beer so we we always differ on that um so that's why i feel like mm, 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 about it i don't know it is like you said a well-made beer um i'm not gonna give it gold but i will give it like low platinum that like it's a it's a well-made beer it is solid i would point to it and be like yeah it's it's good uh though with muskoka like you said before mad tom or twice as mad are the ones i would always go to before this yeah um and uh, if yeah, so, twice as mad is so good yeah and if if people are looking for a juicy ipa i would probably steer them away from this one and actually towards one of lost crafts juicier ones instead if we're standing in the aisle and they're both there because these beers right. tend to be close together so um yeah. yeah i have some other like new england style ipas i'd probably point people towards first 
But that's also like... Even like Life in the Clouds or whatever. Yeah, yeah which I would point them away from Life in the Clouds because I don't like it that much. Um, but uh, but yeah, so I still think it's good, but not in my my recommendation. Yeah, I, I have this at like higher platinum yeah. for me. But, so uh, mine's... Definitely couldn't give it Diamond, which is kind of what I expected to give it coming in. Interesting. Okay. Um, I was expecting to give it actually Gold, I think, and it, it like... Uh, jumped up on me so yeah, yeah. yeah. defied both of our expectations yeah i don't have the same uh nostalgic feel towards muskoka brewery that you do so i never have to fight against it i actually have to do the opposite It'd yeah. be like try to eh, maybe i gotta push it up a little That's bit yeah. yeah um yeah. but anyway uh good beers this week i'm uh i i, I almost got you i always i always love when i almost get you with something fucking weird so uh maybe <laughs> yeah. next time um You've gotten me a few times, but mm-hmm. this one, I think it was just too gimmicky. Yeah, probably too gimmicky, but... Uh, too too meme Yeah, it's, yeah. it's like that meme deck we were talking about, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's, it might win a game or two. Yeah, exactly. So. That's This is what... Maybe I should just call my deck Neapolitan Toxic. Toxic Neapolitan? Does that make sense? No. There you go. Not really. <laughs> uh, anyway, let's uh, close this episode out because I'm getting... I'm saying weird stuff. Uh, let's go to closing time. So you can always reach us at Arena Regulars on Twitter and Instagram. You can also find us on MTG Arena itself. We might be under the username Arena Regulars Podcast. If you want to talk to me personally, you can find me at Zulberg. That is Z-E-U-L-B-E-R-G on Twitter and Instagram. But Jeff, where can they find you? Best place to find me is on our Discord channel. I go by Regular Jeff on the channel, and you can find the link in the show notes. Please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify. Follow us on Spotify as well as uh, going to our YouTube channel, all of the places, all of the things, find us. This has been the Arena Regulars. Reminding you not to craft a meme convoluted combo deck that is full of legendaries and rares. Good night. <sighs> all right, that's fine. <laughs>